And, you know, he asked me to put my job on the line and I did. I said, yes, I'm willing to tell you right now that our conversion is going to increase the moment we launch a fully native checkout with a, you know, a better experience, basically. Hello and welcome to Mobile Heroes Uncensored, episode lucky number 13. My name is John Katsir. My co-host is Peggy N. Saltz. And in this episode, we chat Tesla bots, privacy in China, much more. Our guests include the head of product and growth marketing at Sam's Club. We're talking Walmart here, not a small company, plus a former colleague who now runs a retail app development company. Of course, we do add win of the week. But first, a horrible, no good, pretty awful, kind of funny joke and a little bit of news. Welcome. So Peggy, you know how friends and former colleagues of us are always starting companies, right? Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Very all, all of them. I've seen on LinkedIn all the time. So a former colleague of mine recently started an ad agency and she called it Karma. And I, I kind of wanted to know, hey, is this any good? I mean, she's she's smart. She's She's been around. She knows what she's doing. Want to know if it's any good. I chatted with a couple of contacts. One said that it it kind of totally sucked. Don't even bother. Don't don't talk to them. The other said it completely rocks. I absolutely love it. So I was really confused. Didn't know what to do. I talked to my friend about it. You know, I just I confessed. I, I let her know that I'd been talking to a few, few people. And she said, the answer is in the name. We don't give you what you want. Karma delivers exactly what you deserve. <laughs> I can get it. I can get it. I can see yep. it. Yep, yep. The marketing agency that gives you exactly what you deserve. You know, there are crappy clients. It does happen. Nobody listening to this is a crappy client, but it does happen. It does happen. But Peggy, we do have some things to chat about for Mobile Heroes Uncensored and a little bit of news. Um, I got to ask, are you buying the Tesla bot? Tell you what. I saw your article and I, cause I've you've been bugging me about it now. You know, oh, you have Tesla bot. When are you going to get your Tesla bot? And I was like, okay, what does this look like? And I thought making work human for humans. I'm not buying into that one quite yet. So long story short, I would say I'm skeptic. I, I think it's wise to be skeptical. I mean, you know, it's, it's supposedly a prototype is coming out next year. It would be vastly better than anything that we've seen before, if indeed it performs as Elon Musk said it would. But I mean, you know, you can overpower it. He can, you can likely outrun it as, as Elon Musk said. It's pretty cool. I like it. It can only lift 10 pounds at arm's length, you know, and it can deadlift 150 though. And if it can do my groceries, if it can do the dishes, if it can clean clean the house. I'm all for it. And did you hear that data privacy came to China? Unbelievable and true. It is indeed. It's called personal information protection laws, I understand. Crazy. I mean, like, it's funny, actually, if you think about it, because if you think about privacy in China and electronics, you're pretty sure that everything that you're doing online is being watched by the government anyways. <laughs> right? And being so, into that huge AI machine that they're building. I mean, mm -hmm. I won't go there, but there are some people who say, you know, there are some apps that are probably feeding. It doesn't have to be the data, just how we speak and how we interact is enough. So, uh, yeah. Well, what's yeah, your thing, John? I, I think that um, it's interesting. You know, China's GDPR, companies have to have a clear and reasonable purpose for data they collect, has to be the minimum scope. You have to get consent, store it safely. 
has to be protected if it's transferred out of China. So it sounds pretty GDPR-ish, actually. And China's already investigating Didi, which is the Chinese Uber, for allegedly violating user privacy and 43 other apps. And you know in China, when the government says jump, you you don't wait and ask how high. You just launch, right? So yeah. uh, the law goes active in November. It's kind of a big deal. I'm trying to keep my, you know, keep the alphabet straight here, right? We've got China, we've got California, we've got uh, Germany, Europe, GDPR. You just don't want to be an app marketer anymore, do you? <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting, GDPR, right? And so then right. this one in China is PIP, I guess, Personal Information yeah. Privacy Law. But I mean, that's an English translation. The California one, is that CCPA or something like that? It is, yeah. Yeah. We still have the Child Online Protection Act. There are so many. Uh, yeah, it'd be challenging to be a mobile marketer these days and have to manage that. I kind of feel like there's going to be a new service, which is privacy as a service, which just is like an API that you call uh, a cloud app that you call into your app. And boom, it just handles everything in terms of privacy properly according to whatever locale you happen to be in and you don't have to think about it anymore that would be nice you just had an idea for a business john i know i, I know see a lot of marketers saying you know what take this off my hands i mean we hate writing about it they have to deal with it i mean come on just Peggy, that is us billion dollar ideas gifted to the world for free absolutely excellent and now i guess we have some people to talk to we absolutely do Peggy, who are we chatting with today? We have Drew Frost, Head of Product and Growth Marketing at Sam's Club at Walmart. And of course, Sam's Club is a membership warehouse club. It's all about getting members, great deals. And Drew has a long track record at Walmart. Really astounding. Nine years and counting. Wow. Yeah. He's a keeper. And <laughs> a few things you won't find on his resume because in his spare time, he's still searching for the meaning of life, but he's willing at this point to settle for the secret to the perfect barbecue sauce. Okay. All right. All right. And here's one for us, John. He has been an extra on a Canadian TV show, so no possible uh, stage fright there, right? We must have that name, Drew. What, what TV show? Yeah, what is it? Uh, everybody can go out and look, but I was accidentally cast as an extra on a show called the Republic of Doyle in 2014. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. And you're an IMDB? Well, uh, <laughs> that's not these things. I can actually pull up this scene where you're going to see me accidentally walk across the set, but evidently <laughs> it worked out for the show. It's a great Andrew. story. Wonderful. We're going to pull that up later, of course. And our other guest here, Matt Hudson. Matt. Who did not get fired yesterday. Who did not get fired did not. The meeting went well. Founder of Build It, a mobile app e-commerce platform. He has worked, John, with a who's who of retailers. And happy coincidence, he's also worked with Sam's Club on the iPad app, the original iPad app. I literally uh, worked with the guy, sat right there when it was submitted to the store the very first time. It was an incredible experience. Nice. And I, beat, I, and I created the recipe center. That was the part that I actually worked on, wow. which no longer exists. 
<laughs> but you still know it's something that I don't know. But no, but seriously. And most recently, he has helped grow the Belk app revenue. That's where he is right now. A massive 20x, right? His colleagues say he absolutely gets customer experience better than most. And one experience he can't seem to pass up, crunchy peanut butter, Matt. Absolutely. Team crunchy. Team crunchy. What do you say? No, smooth. No, no, you're smooth. I don't know. I don't want to bite down into a peanut butter jelly sandwich and taste gravel, Matt. Come on. <laughs> I think peanuts are the star. I just think peanuts are the star. That's all. Yeah, no, they're not. Uh, Peggy, what are you? Are you crunchy or smooth? I'm smooth. Oh, oh creamy has it. I'm always trying to be unique. I'll just take it as a compliment. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Well, you know what? Let's get to know you guys a little bit better. I mean, we have been getting to know you guys a little bit better, but let's get to know you a little bit better. Drew, going to start with you. This is the fail well part. What is the biggest screw up you have ever personally witnessed in building, launching, or running a retail app? Hands down, probably this desire to build a really cool feature that nobody ever uses. <laughs> There's a lot of buzzwords in the mobile world, AR, VR, and a variety of other things that do solve some problems, largely have no practical purpose. And then watching retailers stick with it, as opposed to realizing that it's a learning outcome right now and that I could use this in the future. Nope, we're going to stick with it and the consumers are eventually going to use this. <laughs> what was this feature? What was this feature? We must know. Uh, so ironically enough, I've seen this a couple of times. It wasn't thankfully on our side. But did, did Matt build it? <laughs> I have seen this a couple of times where, you know, ER and VR has a place in retail, like the idea of dropping a couch in your house. I don't know what kind of value it adds when I try to scan, you know, a tub of brisket or a, um, a gallon of milk, that kind of thing. Just 100% agree. Yeah. There's new information yeah. that I need how to drink my milk. At least not I'm yet. aligned. <laughs> I'm aligned. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Super safe. Still with Drew. Tell us about one time that you snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. Uh, so I'd say like in life and then in marketing. So in life, I would say, so myself and his siblings, my older brother, we have this fascination with our arcade games, especially old ones. So it's like this ongoing multi-year competition. Pac-Man, Dig Dug, Space Invaders, and especially Space Invaders. So uh, for some reason, I always play best when I have one life left. And so I say, come back. And as of right now, I'm leading the all-time head-to-head score. So come back one life ends up winning um on the marketing side <laughs> so for that i would say it's really you know promotions so specifically in promotions there's a lot of logic that goes into them what you mm -hmm. can do what you can't do and then there's this idea that when you send a promotion in the marketplace that's it like we're done like we've got a basket offer out there there's nothing else we can do wrong so just that specifically over the summer, did that exact scenario. Basket offer was working, figured out a way to pivot to a high frequency item. Seeing the results go up, campaign was saved. 
we closed out the month and the books on the user acquisition side the way we needed to. Nice, nice, cool. nice, nice. 10 points for digital, right? Change it. It's not printed. <laughs> it's not put there. <laughs> Matt, turning to you, uh, Failwell, what's the biggest screw up you ever witnessed in building, launching, or running a retail app? I'll take, I'll take it up a notch and I'll do one that I personally failed. Nice. Uh, I deployed something, uh, overnight on a large energy website and, uh, basically half of its pages were down for a day or two. Definitely <laughs> did not do that. Well, that was a challenging one it was many years ago, luckily, but learned a lot of lessons about, uh, you know, proper deployments and such, uh, from that. That's so a good, very one. nice. The painful lessons are the ones that are often the most valuable. Yes, I have witnessed, I have witnessed a company destroy its SEO and have to pick it up over half a year after that. So those things do happen. How about a super save? Uh, did you ever snatch victory from the jaws of defeat? Yeah, to be honest, even in some ways indirectly, I, I'd say it probably even is leading to this call, uh, this, uh, the fact that I'm able to do these kind of things. Uh, several years ago, we decided to go from a mobile web checkout, which was pretty commonplace in, in retail, uh, to a native checkout. Now, as a technologist, to me, this seemed very obvious thing to do. The performance is so much better. Uh, but from a leadership point of view, there was a large cost to it. It was going to take several months to do. Um, although at the time I didn't think it was going to take several months. Um, and we, we had a lot of trouble. We had a lot of trouble with it. The APIs were not, uh, working the way that we expected them to from our, our e-commerce platform provider. Um, and about three months in, I got called in the CMO's office and he was saying, you know, what, why are we not delivering this? And also do we really need it? We're really investing in this. And he, you know, he asked me to put my job on the line and I did, I said, yes, I'm willing to tell you right now that our conversion is going to increase. The moment we launch a fully native checkout with a, you know, a better experience basically. And no kidding, the week we launched that we, we increased 40 basis points, um, in conversion. Uh, now our mobile web experience there was, you know, not fantastic at the time. So it was a huge win uh, and it led to our first level of growth. It allowed our marketing to get tied into our app. And then as our conversion increased, it led to this call because the growth increased and we doubled down on support from the leadership and others. So, but I have to tell you in that fourth month, I was shaking in my boots. Well, if I, and at the time I was writing the code. So if I wrote more slugs, <laughs> you know, I probably get in the water. We wouldn't be having these conversations. Oh, that's a great story. I love it. Of course, nobody knows that you went into the web flow and totally screwed it up like the month before. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you're no, juggling grief. It's not it. I wish, no, of course not. But, you know, we increased from our previous. And so those were huge wins. But you're right, though. There have been times our analytics were broken and made our conversion look uh, worse or better at different times. So, mm -hmm. yep. Yep. Mobile marketers are experiencing everything about broken data right now as they're dealing with very conflicted and different data sets. Let's uh, pivot a second and we'll have a little bit of fun. Uh, we always have to have a little bit of fun because, you know, they had it undone, but uh... were you, were you, I, this was the worst episode. No, I'm <laughs> just joking. This is the please. This is, and I'm just zooming in a little bit here. 
our ad win of the week segment. And what we do here is we show you two ads in a variety of campaigns, three campaigns actually. And we to ask you guys to vote on which perform better. Then we score you on that. Yeah. Exactly. And we have prizes. We have yes. Prizes. Well, Peggy has like a thousand Bitcoin and she gives out one every mobile heroes, you know, just to the best. Absolutely. You know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know why Peggy's working still, but hey. <laughs> Peggy, I have an investment for you later after this call. I'll pitch you. It's a great. Oh, Absolutely <laughs> yeah. talking. Okay. So game on level one. Yeah. The first ad, let's say it's ad A, is products with the price. The second ad is products with the discount percentage. And you know what, Matt, we'll go with you first since you are at the top of the screen there. Did A perform better or did B perform better? Oh, I'm going to say B, uh, particularly because I see mostly percent off. Uh, and because I think customers need a contrast to understand if they're getting a deal, because I don't know if that uh, weaker bucket is $29.50 uh, normally, or if it's $25.90 normally. So I don't Excellent. know what I'm saving. And so I'd say, I'd say B. Okay. Okay. Very good. Final answer. I'm locking it in. I love this game, Peggy. I love this game because we bring the world's best marketers here and it's a total fail because <laughs> it's the winner. Oh, 7% better. He was saying, he was I so convincing. I was like, because I was like, yeah, I think the price is good, but no, he gave such a great reason why it's not. It's like, yeah, yep, it's the yep, yep. You know, Vincent. just goes to show you. I mean, you you throw out a million things and see what happens. Well, uh, Drew, yeah. it is your turn to show your prowess here. Here is a, and what we're talking about here is sort of a specific branded category of product, and in B, it's kind of similar but it's actually sort of a broad generic display of product categories. I'm going to zoom out a little bit there. So you've got a specific branded product and B this broad, more generic display of product categories. Did a perform better or did B perform better? I'm going to go with B because consumers generally like depth of product lines when it comes to e-commerce, even if they don't have prices or discounts on them. Wow. Are you sure? Is that your final answer? Yes, but I'm not sure if I just won the million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right. It performed 80% better. Wow. Okay. Now nice we're going sure. <laughs> Now we're going to have a tiebreaker category. And this is uh, A is a little sort of kind of animated banner ad and it's an install call to action. You know, you see some shoes category and it's install the app and B is a shop now. So it's sort of similar, but the call to action is to shop now. And so I'm going to ask Matt what he'll answer. And then I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask Drew what he'll answer. We'll see which one is correct. So Matt, would you pick A or would you pick B? You have me doubting myself now because I felt very good about that first one. And you had such good reasons. Yeah, no, I thought about it, of course. Um, you know, I'm just not the market. I think that's the important thing to understand. But I'd say, I'd say the, um, 
man, I'm, I'm going to go with my gut and say it's the install just because I'm a nerd at heart and install is way closer to the nerdy than uh, in the shop now. Excellent. And Drew, what do you pick? Do you pick the install or do you pick the shop now? This is the debate that I have almost every day, George. <laughs> and I am going to go with shop now. Yes. Okay. He sounds old. He's in <laughs> so, and I'm going to say a shop now that reason, just reasoning, it is a very clear, it's a more clear CTA. And hopefully some of these folks already have it installed. <laughs> do well, they work. arrive at an assortment though? Do they arrive at an assortment or do they land on the uh, app store landing page? You know, like, these are, journey, you know, the, you know, the, uh, what's the customer experience like? No, I'm just kidding. But okay, we're <laughs> we do not know. What I will say is that however that ad was set up, B was the winner. It was 27% better. So, you know what? I guess, I guess, you know, Peggy, you're out of Bitcoin and Drew wins it. You know, hey. There you go. <laughs> yeah, excellent job, sir. Excellent job. Oh, and we have to get back to work here, Peggy. We have to actually do something for our money and not just enjoy it. Um, so I'm going to shoot this to Matt first. And 2020, in a word, for you was? Man, that's a tough one. You know, I, uh, there's so many things we can say here. So professionally, it was incredible. Um, moving the team to remote uh rebuilding uh a huge mobile app the huge influx of e-commerce uh mobile shooting the moon all of those things great positives for me spending more time with my children uh you can see the to toys in the background you know uh, all of those things so many good things um on the heavier side the pandemic is obviously puts a cloud over everyone's life right so um, everybody's lost somebody or, or, or had challenging issues and changed the whole way that we work. So, um, I would say the, the one word answer is complicated. <laughs> that is, that's a, that sums it up. I could not agree more. Uh, let, you know, Drew, what, uh, would you say? Same question, 2021. 2021, I would say busier. Wow. If 2020 was busy, 2021, if anything, has been busier. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, True. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Absolutely. Well, Peggy, over to you. Yeah. Well, Matt, you mentioned it. You talked about, you know, explosion of mobile commerce. I'd like to start off with you. What did we learn about mobile commerce during COVID? Um, you know, I would less call it a learning and more of uh, sort of an acceleration of something we already knew, right? And before I ran mobile app, I ran mobile web. And what we noticed every year at holiday was that there was there was a huge uptick at holiday for mobile and, and, and a small amount of the traffic would shift. So small amount of traffic would shift the app, a small amount of tra traffic would shift to mobile web or a small amount of traffic may shift to like iPad or something like that. And then it would stay there. So we'd get a 10, 15, 20% penetration bump, and then they would kind of hedge and stay down. It's almost like they went into the store, they scanned an item, they got that good experience, or they, or, you know, they showroomed or whatever it was. And then they're like, hey, I kind of like this. 
you know, on the app side, they didn't have to log in again because they had persistent login or something like that. They're like, hey, I'm already set up in my bag. It's easy. I know how to use it. They got comfortable with it. I don't know exactly what happened. That's always been my theory. So I look at um, I look at 2020 and 2021 as an extinction of that. It's just a it just doubled what we were going to do over holiday. And we saw a shift in you know, mobile app traffic, shift in mobile web traffic. Um, you know, iPads and 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 uh, tablets are obviously a little bit more complicated mixed bag. So I think it's more of an acceleration. I love what retailers have learned about technology, though. You know, I'm more on the IT side. I am I straddle marketing as well. But in in the IT side, I think we learned that you got to be ready to make changes fast. If you're not an agile place, if you're an old school retailer running on mainframes or AS400 or whatever that Sam's Club was running on 100 years ago, you know, and, and they're not anymore. They were very advanced 100 no. years ago. No, but I'm, yeah, they were. They were. My point is, my point is uh, that Sam's Club and, and Walmart are excellent at, at keeping up. And Drew may or may not feel that way. But when you look at an old retailer where we just got rid of mainframes a couple of years ago, you realize that some of those companies are brilliant in their in their ability to plan ahead and be proactive, and they have they have ex, um, taken this opportunity and grown. And others are withering away because they have too much barrier to entry and they had too much technical debt or too much uh, uh, debt. So I think this is just expounded upon what we already knew and just accelerated things that were already happening. Mm-hmm. So acceleration, agility. There, that's from the build side of it, Drew. Looking at your lessons from mobile commerce during COVID, from the retail side, from the marketing side, what can you add? Yeah, so um, I would say very much later on top of on that. So for one, on the retail side and, and the mobile side and marketing, what we experienced, I think several people in the industry said, was about five years worth of growth in about six months. At least, I don't know if that's factually true by any means, but let's, I can guarantee that's what it felt like. And part of that was you kind of entered into this category is like, you were either going to be successful, you were going to have to figure out a way to be successful, or you were going to be unsuccessful, you know, your brand was going to die. Um, so really for me, one of the biggest takeaways from all of that though, was that for years on mobile marketing, we've had our setup with user acquisition and with user retention, and it's been a grind. And that's just how marketers have looked at it. 2020 created this very interesting problem that it wasn't about the grind anymore. It was about keeping people captive. So from a retailer standpoint, it wasn't so much about, do I get you in you to purchase? It's that after you purchase, how do I keep you captive with me for the remainder of the year? And since everybody was sitting at home on their couch doing work and shopping retail sites, that became a little difficult in 2020 that people had time to give other retailers their attention. And I think that was just a problem like all of us were facing. It was like, how do I actually keep my audience captive? They're here. Normally, I just keep churning in, churning out. Can't do that right now. I've got to keep these folks in the bucket. The interesting thing about that, and going back to complicated, is the third-party data factor, right? Apple uh, and and some of the other uh, players making the big changes, I feel like, probably made me and Drew's life significantly harder uh, in, in, in keeping them captive, right? And yeah. Hey, I'm all for privacy as a customer, but also as a marketer and as a technologist, you know, uh, dropping third-party data is extremely challenging and filling out a huge form talking about all the different pieces of, of how we're, you know, sharing information, uh, even though we're just trying to do a great job for, for customers, uh, you know, it's been a, it make it even more complicated. 
And actually, you could argue, Matt, that um, Apple has made it even more important to focus on engagement and retention because mm -hmm. acquisitions harder, acquisitions more challenging. You have less data, you've got more data sets, you've got less direct device level data, user level data. It's almost like, Drew, you knew what my next question was because it's a great segue because what we wanted to ask next was, how has competing for new customers changed in 2021 for retail apps? Because you've got this massive influx and that's great. You, you're trying to keep that, but you're also still trying to grow. You're growth professionals. That's what you do. So how has that changed in 2021 for retail? Yeah, so I think it's changed quite a bit. And for starters, um, we live in a world right now where everybody has an app. And if they don't have an app, they'll have an app next week. Like. Mm -hmm. I, I'm literally just in the, in the San Francisco Bay area alone, just going to a local restaurant and sitting down like, Hey, can you download our app? And I'm just like, really? So <laughs> deep restaurant has an app. Yes, it does. Um, okay, cool. So, you know, but I'd say on the initial side, on the acquisition side, yes, it's got tremendously harder iOS 14 and that's a whole nother conversation. But the other part of this harder is that everybody has an app and you're competing generally for the same level of audience and attention span, which we kind of John leads into that question of like, how has this really changed for marketers is that we're bringing retention way up in the funnel. You know, it used to be we'd bring people in, we'd qualify them and we'd keep the machine rolling, right? And eventually our CRM teams or our everyday marketing teams would pick up, you know, pick the ball up and keep it rolling. Where we're at in the world right now is that that handoff happens a lot sooner. It's pretty much at the point of qualification. It's not only are you qualified, it's what type of preferences do you have? What type of content are you engaging with? And how do I continue to build that trusting relationship to where if I send you a push notification next month, you're going to be just as engaged with it as you are right now. Yeah. Amazing. Anything to add to that, Matt? For sure. I'll actually flip it on the other side. Um, I definitely think there's a lot of companies, little restaurants, like you mentioned, that don't have an app. But if I'm honest with you, if you look at mid-market, uh, the non-multi-billion dollar companies that are out there, a lot of companies don't have an app. And they're rolling PWAs or they're rolling something like that as a sort of substitute. And I look at that as, okay, why are we not doing a better job of tying our marketing to our mobile app experience? Now, me and Drew have resources and can do things where, you know, universal links and sort of take on the technical shouldering of tying our email marketing and our ads to our mobile app experience, right? That's, that's how we have grown and accelerate. So, but generally mobile web is getting, getting the targeting experiences. They've got cookies, everything is linked, right? And it's a much far fewer technical challenge to build those things out. So if you're a small or mid-market retailer, it's very challenging to market to your mobile app because you don't have the resources to do your analytics uh, or whatever, uh, your analytics forwarding and app and opening the app or opening web if app doesn't support to get content or whatever it is. So I actually think, yes, a ton of people have apps that it really doesn't make that much sense. Uh, but uh, I hope that over time that between first party data, uh, universal links improvements, app clips in particular from, from Apple um, and, 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 secondarily, but also important is uh, app slices from Android are going to make mobile marketers life uh, quite a bit easier because uh, you, you're going to be able to tie those ads directly to an app without a major technical milestone in between. And I think once we kind of get that um, homogenous experience from mobile app to mobile web, 
uh, without PWA in the middle, we're going to see mobile apps take off even more uh, because the the experience can be so much better. Peggy, I think what he's saying is that the whole world is not like San Francisco. I, I'm, I'm just shocked. I'm, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. I, 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 no, but if, there's a lot of restaurants in little places that have apps too because they have the tools available to them. But but mid-market retailers are focused on mobile web because of the marketing problem. And I think it's an yeah. important question. It's like, how do we get our marketing to where it's not just web-centric, right? Like opening up emails to app, opening up your ads to app, and all of those channels, Facebook app links and uh, Google ads, uh, uh, all of those type of different types of channels are important pieces to opening your app. And all of them have unique, uh, unique challenges to them. Every channel does. It's really interesting that you mentioned app clips as well as progressive web apps, because I've heard two things about app clips. Um, one great results because it's an amazing user experience and two, not much uptake because it's like building a whole new app, mini app. It's not easy to sub subtract some of your functionality, put it in an app clip, but interesting stuff. Well, I'm going to announce it right here because you brought it up, but I'm working on an SDK to make it easy for retailers to do it because the integration was plug, shameless plug, shameless plug. I mean, you brought it up. It's not even ready, but I think it's going to be an important play. You know, when you think about save the sale, Drew, right. And, and when I, first of all, I'm a huge Sam's club fan, not only cause I'm from Bittenville and, and I, I, well, I'm from Springdale actually, but, but that I've been out there and worked for Walmart for many years. But also I love scan and go and a lot of the things that the team has done on the app. And I'm always looking at Sam's club for great, for great stuff. So, but aside from that, um, when I'm in a store and they're out of a given size, particularly a, a fashion retailer, right? The save the sale opportunity is enormous, right? Being a, especially a, a retailer, that's a promotional retailer with low stock, right? Being able to scan that item and grab my size 13 instead of my size 12 or, you know, uh, whatever it is that I'm looking for and being able to buy it with Apple pay or a credit card. So yeah, the technical challenge is always going to be there, but there are ways to make it faster and better. And I think, uh, I think customers' lives are going to be a bit, bit easier once, uh, once it's, it's rolled out. Love it. So you're talking about features, right? Which brings me to the next question, because that's what gets us very excited about that. That might even keep us in the funnel, keep us captive. But um, I'll start with you, Matt, because you're the builder, but I do want to hear you weigh in on it as well, Drew. What is the feature or what do you think you'd never, let me start over again. What did you think you'd never have to build for an e-commerce app that you actually in reality ended up having to build? Oh, uh, that's a tough one because I love building things. So I'm only thinking about it. <laughs> build everything. <laughs> ship it all. <laughs> Drew, ship it all. Drew brought up a good one, um, augmented reality. You know, for for um, a, a furniture retailer has great experiences, but um, when you look at like fashion retail or like auto try on, I don't think is there yet. Maybe it will be someday. I just think the experiences are weird, um, and I, I feel like building that now scanning for body. Yeah, first of all, I have an oddly shaped body, and I don't want to scan it. And I'm not confident that anything is going to fit whenever it gets to me. You know? so, so, so Matt, you're saying you've never used a, a photocopier in, in, in that way? Not even, it didn't even cross my mind, my friend. I did not, not even one. Okay. Okay. Good, good, good. That's <laughs> We're all trying to erase that 
picture from our minds right now, dear John. Sorry. I want to hear what Drew had to say. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's Deflection. Deflection. Picking it up. So, um, I'll answer this from a, from a build standpoint, but I'll, I'll take it a step further, Peggy, and say from a marketing standpoint, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and this might come as a surprise, everybody. I did not imagine coming into 2020, we'll go back to 2018, just pretend we're there for a moment, that I would have to talk about building features that specialize in scanning QR codes, or let alone that I'd have to spend time marketing QR codes. Literally, <laughs> <laughs> thought this was something. Resurrection. Something is dead. And it is resurrected. It is back. It is growing strong. It is used widely in the Sam's Club app, Homer and Abbott, I think probably every retail app on the planet. Okay. I got it. Yeah. It up. I was in the room when Sam's Club came to us at Rockfish uh, in 20, oh my God, it was forever ago, 2012, probably. Maybe you were there. And they said, why don't we put QR codes at the top of the aisles? And Rockfish said, no way in hell it doesn't have the uh, it doesn't have the penetration. Now here we are. I bet you're talking about putting them on top of the aisles again. <laughs> Thankfully, no. But <laughs> being said, there there definitely is a place in the world for QR codes. From everything from folks going and sitting down at the restaurant, scanning menus to more practical applications in in retail. So we're talking about app clips, just the ability to actually access an app clip that way. At Sam's Club, we've actually ported scan and go to an app clip. So our users don't have to download the full experience to begin with. Hmm. So far been really great. Feedback from members have been very, very positive, but it's ways like that. So traditional, you know, traditional, little bit non-traditional ways you're going to see in stores areas like there's a QR code here. What does that do? Like, why is that? I think we're entering into the stage where we were probably back in 2006, 2007 of, okay, there's this thing, what do I do with it? And natural curiosity is going to drive a little bit of this. Marketing is going to drive a, quite a bit more. Trust me on that. Yep. Yep. Peggy, you know, you're having a good show when your face hurts. I mean, you're just laughing too much, yeah. you're smiling, smiling too much. And literally my jaw and my cheeks are hurting at the moment. So nobody say anything else funny, including me. Um, however, the interesting thing about QR codes, Matt, and I'm glad you brought that up or drew whoever did is that that took off not only during the pandemic, because that was important touchless and everything, the menu, you couldn't have the menu. So you had to have it on your, on your, on your smartphone, all that stuff, but it got built into the camera. It got built into the Mm -hmm. camera app and you didn't have to have a separate app to to scan QR code. It was just normal, natural. We were used to using our camera app and boom, what a resurrection. The total vampire functionality of smartphones and retail. Very impressive. I want to turn the page a little bit. And I think Drew, we'll start with you on this one. Um, Because we've talked about apps and we've talked about retail and there's a ton of bricks and mortar stores out there that have brought on mobile commerce and probably some that haven't still. What does adding mobile commerce successfully at scale do for a bricks and mortar first, a physical reality first retailer? Yeah, a lot to, to go back to Matt. That actually is one of the more complicated questions. It, it really is. Um, at a very basic level, right? A well-deployed app in this regard is going to fulfill a truly endless aisle, 
right? It's going to be the extension that retailers have been looking for for years. There's only so much Salesforce face, only so many top places I can put a product. So there's only so many variants I'm willing to stock. That app can, if done right, can solve all of that. But I think for a lot of retailers, and I know that what we've found at Samsung, it goes beyond that. The app is the CRM tool. It's the relationship builder. It's the bridge. It's the, it's the tool. It's the friend you carry around in your pocket, but it probably <laughs> it really is. It's I'm going to scan this item. I'm going to read reviews. I'm going to cross shop against other retailers. Um, in some cases, like, you know, I've got chat function inside of the app. Like I've got a con almost like a concierge service, right? It's your best friend in your pocket. Um, so for me, it's. It's beyond that. I mean, definitely the cells and the channel shift, as Matt was describing earlier, they're going to come like that industry is going that way. But I think where apps are going to differentiate themselves is that next level of CRM, that next level of customer service. Like what does your app do beyond the ability to find a pair of socks in black instead of white? That kind of thing. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, Peggy has told me before about friends in, you know, pockets, but we won't go there. Matt, uh, anything to add to Drew's answer? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, first of all, everything he said was spot on. Um, what I, the, the analogy I've always used is that when you get a customer to install your app, it creates a reciprocal relationship, right? He calls a friend. I call it a relationship, same kind of thing, right? It's a bit of a commitment to go and download something. So your better customers are going to be there, but you also create a bridge, like you mentioned, right? Which I think is a great way to put it. Being able to push notify customers, bringing them back into the experience, having that real estate on their homepage, having login persistent, right? Not having to log into the app, I think is a huge win. It makes your life a bit easier. Um, having your basket and everything pre-populated, right? Which can happen on mobile web too, but when it's a fast experience, it creates a situation where I want to go back to that. I don't mind going back. And then when you stack on top of that, our new world, right? Which is a oh, buy online, pick up and sort, scan and go, which I freaking love. And Sam's Club is way ahead of the curve uh, on scan and go. And I'm still trying to convince people that they need to put in scan and go. And of course it's complicated, but, but anyway, so when you stack all those things on where we are at today, QR codes, app clips, you're looking at a world in the future that that is going to be a really permanent relationship. And if you took away the marketing preference, I'll call it, to mobile web, app experiences would not just be a channel, right? It's not just about being in the app store because let me tell you this, if you don't have an app, customers expect you to have an app, especially if you're brick and mortar. If you build a store and you can't build an app with, you know, uh, then you're just, you're just missing it, okay? I mean, I get it that yeah. the web is comparable and maybe you only have a hundred SKUs, but if you got, you know, a a 10,000 SKUs, you have no excuse to not provide the customer the best experience. And when you talk about the sort of convergence of stores uh, and mobile app, they go together. So I, I just want to tell one more QR code story, even though you, you turn the page on it, because I think it's important about Omnichannel. But we had a competition when I was at Belk. Um, they called it App Attack. And so the leaders, the EVPs, bought into mobile app because of our great checkout experience. And they said, we're going to have the stores compete on a bonus for a mobile app. And let me tell you this, Belk is a uh, $4 billion retailer, right? They're probably like a top 600 or something like that. So not huge, right? 300 stores. But we grew the app 
twice, uh, uh, excuse me, 4X in downloads and 20X over the years in revenue because the stores push the downloads of the app and we put store pricing in the app. And between the great experience and the, uh, and the, uh, the store associates driving the relationship, it created this thing where we barely had to do ads for the app. We barely had to do install ads, but we still were one of the fastest growing retailers in downloads, period. So mm -hmm. if the stores stop ignoring mobile app and start pushing mobile app, you'll see growth like crazy and customers will buy in. Now app is 30% penetration in a multi-billion dollar retailer. Mm -hmm. Wow. And that's just ridiculous. If, if they can do it, any retailer can do it. And that they have the extra channel of the physical store to push it, right? Exactly. Customers expect it. They just see one brand. They don't see a store and an app and a web experience. They think of it as all the same. So we talked about, you know, save that sale, buy online, pick up in store, all of these great things that retail apps can do. But I'll ask you, Drew, what's the most important part of a retail app to emphasize during marketing and in the UA campaigns? What's that one thing that's going to nail it? Yeah, so again, like I, I think very complicated question. What, what I'll tell you is that after years of doing marketing, what I'm working back to, it's surprisingly simple. Consumers want to see how it works uh, more often than not. So when we were playing our, our game a little bit earlier, that's when I was thinking through my head. I was like, if I'm a consumer and I've never seen this before, what am I most attracted to if I'm, it's going to tell me what this is? Um, so I've done this. We've probably ran hundreds of campaigns over the past eight, nine years, and I've, I've seen this progression. But what I've seen consumers come back to is, in a very basic level, if you can just show me how this works, if you can show me that I can check out, if you can show me that I can, you know, place an omni-channel order, then I can use curbside pickup or that I can build a list or I can do the feature, right? It's not so much about benefits and big flashy campaigns. Although those are very nice. As a marketer, we love those. Absolutely love them. Every who doesn't want to do is, but <laughs> the reality of it is what We've seen time and time again as consumers, members, what have you, come back to the basics. Just show me how this works. And if you can do that in a way that they really understand and it resonates with them, they're going to convert. And quite honestly, we served up someone to the product that I, I'd say in the hand served a map in that regard, that product doesn't have the burden now of creating this experience where we're trying to teach someone. We lost you a little bit there, Drew. But I love what you're talking about. Show me, yeah. don't tell me. And that yeah. makes a ton of sense. Awesome. Drew, we're, we're framing that picture, by the way. <laughs> oh, you're back. <laughs> you're back. <laughs> it was you mid-proclamation. It was amazing. It was incredible. And nobody heard it. <laughs> that, was, that was the high point of the day. And we're good. <laughs> oh, good. So, so Matt, you're off the hook because it's not the job of product anymore to do the education, the onboarding in it. It's more like the marketing now is about customer education. I'm seeing a lot about that now, John, by the way. You know, customer education I'm seeing is like the instrument of engagement, of retention. It's like, teach me and you will keep me for life. That's sort of what's going on out there. Amazing. I think what Drew said was 100%. I mean, um, 
customers want discoverability, findability, um, and they don't want to read. They want it to be easy, intuitive on the product side, but education on the other side, right? They kind of go, go together. Um, but yeah, customers want to, you want to decrease that barrier to entry, if you will, on, on using something. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of factors to it, but I think the marketing is that is the face. And so when you look at that, uh, the marketing is going to make the customer feel comfortable with and trust what, what you're delivering to them. So like you ask what the most important sort of thing in regard to marketing is, but I think about, uh, findability and like when I link my marketing to my proper assortment, right, rather than opening up the mobile app directly to the homepage, but actually linking directly to that product Mm -hmm. and boosting that product, right? So those two sides of the coin working together and seeing it as sort of unified experience is the important part from the customer side. So if I'm a marketer, I'm, I'm showing off those great products like you guys showed, but when I click the link, I'm going directly to that product. It's boosted to the top. Maybe I'm lucky and I even see the right color. You know, if we can get, if we can get that deep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, we're coming near the end of our time here and have to let you go. I have one more question for you, but before we get to that, Peggy, I just want to reflect, this has been an amazing mobile heroes. Uh, This has been incredible. Both of you guys are not only smart, you're funny, you have a good sense of humor. Um, It has been a lot of fun. If there are people out there who are watching, listening, say, hey, you know what? I could do that. It's so freaking easy. You know what? Let us know. Ping Peggy, ping me, whatever the case might be. We're on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. There's even a thing called Facebook. I mean, you know, (laughs) we might be there. I mean, the Facebook, I'm not sure. Is it still around? It's there. Ping us, let us know. We'd love to chat with you, but we have one more question for these talented guests. And we'll start with you, Drew, just because we like you better than Matt. You know, it's just- uh, <laughs> You yeah. better look at it, it just makes sense. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. If there was one thing that you could change about marketing mobile apps, what would it be? Hardest question of the day is always the last question. <laughs> exactly. We give you the hard questions because we know you're smart. So for me, it kind of comes down to one word, complexity. Um, and I think that we've kind of exhibited that throughout the conversation today, right? Mobile marketing overall, it's easy to understand. Like it, it really is. To what your comment, hey, same thing. Anybody can do this, right? With the right mentoring, the right background, the right knowledge and education. Mobile marketing is moderately difficult to articulate to non-app marketers. Like we, again, it's kind of this problem where we all talk the same language, but we don't say the same words. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of poses a barrier, but I think where it's the hard part is for any organization of size from the tiniest boutique to the largest retailer in the world is it's hard to get that consistent buy-in for a mobile marketer of this is the tool that I need. So, cause it unlocks this, so I can do this, so I can improve the experience this way, or I can improve UA this way, or I need to, maybe I need to swap out my CRM, the entire system, right? Because what I'm using is antiquated and all of these things come at a cost. And I, and I don't mean just financial. I mean, it comes at a cost from, you know, Matt would say this too, dev time. And you know, the time that I'm doing this for the marketing team, I'm not building features. I'm not improving, improving customer experience, right? That kind of thing. So it's just a, it's a very complex world. If there's one thing that I could do, wave a magic wand, I would probably bring everybody up to the same knowledge base that myself, Matt, the rest of us have. So these conversations are easier. 
and the complexity just kind of disappears. Like we're all on the same page. We know it needs to happen as opposed to the consistent buy-in that's required to get to the end state. You know, yeah. true. if you want simple, there's this magic vending machine. I think it's colored blue and you just keep feeding money in the top. And you know, if you just trust them and the numbers, good things to the bottom. I've heard that. I've heard that. I really have. Matt, we're going to turn to you. If there was one thing that you could change about marketing mobile apps, what would it be? Well, I think there's a couple of things and you kind of hit on one. Um, and it's, and it's a little bit nuanced, but I think it is a big one, which is, you know, by removing the reliance upon third-party data that, that Apple has sort of triggered and privacy has sort of triggered, I think it is forcing marketers to really, uh, uh address the fact that they don't have the data, right. Mm -hmm. That you can't just rely upon Facebook and, and retargeting algorithms and things like that. And, and what it really shows you, though, is the fact that they were reliant upon it and that we're all freaking out about IDFA and all of these other marketing pieces and cookies, private cookies and things like that is that, that if you have a first-party relationship where you know the customer, you know their behaviors, you know how to market to them, and you're not reliant upon a third party, which, by the way, is still abstract, right? I mean, don't get me wrong, they're great at it. But, but if you get a good team that knows your customer better than anybody does, your team's going to do it better than most of them can do it. So what I love about the third-party data removal is, outside of freaking out all for the next you know six months or a year and privacy and CCPA and all this other stuff, is that uh, excuse me, retailers are going to be forced to address that personal relationship. And maybe we can get closer to a, a true personalized experience where we know our customer and deliver great experiences directly for them and not be hobbled by retargeting algorithms or, or things like that. Secondarily is I just want universal links to work better because right now there's such a limitation <laughs> on the data that it makes me so crazy. And, and, and Android and iPhone, the way they work differently, uh, I feel like if that worked better, it'd be much easier to give the customer a great experience from our marketing uh, campaigns. Well, I'm pretty sure we have Tim Cook lined up for our next session. <laughs> and we'll give him that feedback. And I still have him all the time. <laughs> I met with him directly. And I said, please fix it. But, you know, they don't. Yes, yes, yes. Well, did you just you shout that up? Did you shout it at the Apple campus? Like, what's, what's happening there, man? No, here's what happened. <laughs> so we got Google on the phone. We were talking about our marketing links. And Google was saying, oh, you did it wrong. And I said, no, 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 your apps, your, uh, what do they call it? They call it app links on Google, right? Um, I said, your app links implementation is poor. It's awful. You can't get any, you can't get even what the URL is, you know, directly, uh, directly from it. You need a third party provider. So I, I literally told them and uh, I was like, guys, it's not very good. Apple was a little bit lighter. I just said, guys, you need to be able to give me the URL and the referring data so that I can give the customer a great experience. Especially with app clips, but with app clips, they're improving it. So it's good. But if I could waste my way, that would be it. It's not like we touched a tender nerve or anything there, Drew, but um, <laughs> it's all good. Peggy, has this been a wonderful session or has it been amazing? This has been great. This has been really good. I mean, good conversation, lots to take away and a little bit of an entertaining rant session at the end, Matt. Mm -hmm. So I think we're good. Sorry. We have all the bases. <laughs> yep. And if we ever find the perfect barbecue sauce, Drew, it will be available in our e-commerce app for the small price <laughs> of 99 
99 <laughs> Thank you guys so much for being part of this. It has been a real pleasure. Thank you. I, I thought we were going to start telling great stories about Arkansas again. I was waiting for it. So, Well, the, the high vaccination rates did come up. Yeah. Um, the hugging. We had, um, we had, you're not talking about marrying your cousin. That doesn't happen no. um, or anything like that. <laughs> oh, boy. But it's, we didn't say that. That's that's something we're not. Really Let's talk about how the largest company in the United States is there, and that it makes hundreds of billions of dollars. And its sister company, Sam's Club, is a great place to shop. It's amazing. It's amazing. Wow. And nobody was paid to say that. <laughs> <laughs>